Anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to be here, and thank you, Brownie. Um, it's wonderful to be here in the church family again, and as everybody's well aware, we've just this past week been here for um, our annual um, ICFM um, convention. So we've been here with your church family here, and just remain seated. I'm giving you a standing ovation. Okay, I'm the only one that's standing, so well done, church. Well done, church. It was excellent. Fabulous job, uh, the team behind your pastors here, just awesome, excellent. And um, as they've already mentioned, a, a lot of people contribute um, to making something like this happen. When we hosted it the first time in Whangarei, which was way back, I think, in 04, I think, something like that, the first time we hosted it in Whangarei, I said to um, our, our lady that coordinated the whole thing, I said, uh, it just was a spur of a moment thing. I said, oh, um, now that we're done, I said, contact everybody that contributed or helped, played a vital role, and we'll take them out for dinner. So we had a reception place in Whangarei that like, does weddings and stuff, not a cafe or a restaurant so much, but as a restaurant type thing. And yeah, I just like, take, we'll take them out for dinner. Well, we took out nearly 60 people for dinner. My goodness. These were people that had made a vital contribution toward hosting ICFM. So, excellent, very well done. And um, as, as they mentioned right across the board, uh, oh, some people got to bed pretty late. We know that. My goodness, didn't you? You got to bed pretty late and uh, all the meals that were prepared and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, so on behalf of ICFM, you know, God bless you and just a tremendous effort and well done, well done. Well done, well done. It was kind of cool. Um, I was with Pastor Robin on um, Friday. I picked her up. We were taking um, Pastor Patsy back to the airport. I'm not too familiar with the whole Wellington and a Wellington thing, so I had my navigator with me. And um, anyway, we're, we're, we're on our way through um, taking Pastor Patsy to the gate. And I, I said to her, I said, oh, isn't that, isn't that Elaine behind that trolley? And so your, your, your Elaine, Sister Elaine, she, she flew out to Perth and we, we, we met in, in the airport. We were just heading to the gate. She was heading to check in. So we met in the airport. So I thought, great, you know, she's going to miss out on the thank you. So we stood there in the, in the, in the airport and Pastor Patsy thanked her and I thanked her. And so, yeah, she got the royal touch there. Hallelujah. <laughs> In the airport before before she flew to Perth, so that was really cool catching up with her. So no one missed out. Praise God, no one missed out. So well done. Um, as as um, Brownie mentioned, um, uh, the late Pastor Don and Robin and Elaine and I, we go back a lot of years, a lot of years, and um, we've been sort of part of ICFM for many years, and uh, we continue our journey um, together in the Lord, but also, you know, in ICFM, which has been great. One of the things about ICFM, we've had, we've had pastors pretty much every year that have been to other conventions throughout the nation, and so many people have said to us, this one's different. And it happened this time. Somebody, first time here, senior pastor, first time here. You know, this is different. To anything we've experienced before. So wh what is it about it? So let me just throw out one thought. In our board, um, so, so Pastor Robin, myself, Stefan, Nigel, and now Barry from Whangarei, we have a total absence of any religious politics. We don't envy each other. We're not trying to get each other's position or anything like that. We're just able to walk together, enjoy each other's company. We have a lot of fun together. So there's no politicking at all. And religious politics can be a nasty thing. Trust me, it can split churches, do all kinds of destructive things. So we have a total absence of any politics, which is a good thing. So the, the conference was on um, breakthrough prayer and, and breakthrough faith. And um, if you were here, I mean, I tell you, I'm so encouraged in prayer, like to stay at my post. I think it was Pastor Patsy, I think it might have been, that mentioned the, 
the, the, the, the lady and the unjust judge in Luke chapter 18. It may have been her, I'm not sure, but the lady that continued to come to the unjust judge. And um, it says there that um, Jesus told this story that we, that so, so that we don't faint or we don't lose heart. So for me personally, I'm so encouraged in prayer to stay at my post and, and not to lose heart. You know, sometimes we see things that um, the answers seem to come quickly. And other times it seems like we've got to stand and fight. Who knows what I'm talking about? We've got to stand, we've got to withstand, we've got to stand and fight. So it seems like sometimes things come quickly and, and, and sometimes it seems like nothing's happening. But we've got to continue to stand and withstand and stand and fight. So um, um, the church in Kaitaia, I don't think we've seen so many young people at our ICFM convention for a long, 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 long time since some of us were young people. Hallelujah. So, but, but yeah, they had, a, they had a good crowd there um, from Kaitaia. And um, I've been going up there for a couple of years. It's a long story that I don't have time to tell. But anyway, I was up there last year with them in Kaitaia, ministering the church up there. And um, over here on the right of the auditorium up there, sort of middle part way back, there's a guy sitting there that I'd never seen before, and he's got his arms sitting there with his arms folded and like, you can tell. You don't need to be a master's degree student in body language. You can tell that this guy does really not want to be there. Understand what I'm saying? He's over on this side, close to the exit door, so if you have to make a run for it, he's right there. He can be gone. So he sat there, arms folded the whole thing, you know, just that, that, that staunch look on his face like, I don't want to be here, blah, 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 and I'm out of here. I've since found out he played in a band and I think he'd been in a nightclub all night, so that wouldn't help you like church, right? So, so anyway, he's there. So what happens is I'm praying for people and this lady there says, I want you to pray for my family. I want you to pray for my husband. So I saw that she had three or four little kids wanted to pray for her husband. So we prayed together um, in, in, in the, in the, at the altar, prayed together that God would touch her husband, that you know God would bring the family together, etc. I don't remember all the details, but I distinctly remember praying for her, praying for the family, praying for the husband. So in April, I'm back up there this year, and I, here's this guy again, but he's not sitting down there staunch with an attitude. He's actually playing a guitar on the stage in the worship team. And the transformation in this guy was just amazing. So he was here at the convention, and I tell you, Brownie, I get a buzz just standing here looking at him. I don't look at him when he knows I'm looking at him, but, <laughs> but to see this guy standing in church with his hands raised, Okay. Now, for me, see, that would appear to me to be like, well, that's a quick response. That was just last year. This is in April. That would seem like, well, that's a quick response. Well, that's me. But I tell you, for her, it may have been a long road. You hear what I'm saying? For her, it may have been a super long and weary journey. But she kept it at post. So, my goodness, what a buzz for me just looking at him. What a transformation. So, I want to encourage you, Stay at your post. All right, stay at your post. Don't grow weary. Just as, as Jesus told that parable, Luke, that story, Luke 18, that we don't grow weary, that we don't faint, but stay at our post. Amen? Because we'll see things happen. Hallelujah. And it might be quick for the person that prayed for you. You might be standing and fighting, but don't quit. Amen? Don't quit. Anyways, um, I'm going to tell you a story this morning and just minister around that and um, a story that was not funny at the time but it is funny now and the story is you will have a lot of laughs at my expense, okay, at my expense, all right, but I'm okay with that because, you know, if you're laughing at me and making fun of me, that's fine. I'm not going to have a tantrum and leave the church, okay. I don't mind at all. So years ago, 
um, I think it was either, I think it might have been Stefan and Vanessa over in the hut, hosted one of our ICFMs, and we had Pastor Bob Nichols from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas here, and we also had Bishop Harry and his wife Doreen Westcott here. So we had two granddads for that particular ICFM convention. And it, I believe it might have been over in the hut. It wasn't here, was it? I think it might have been over there. Yeah. Anyway, we came to know, Elaine and I came to know Bishop Westcott probably in the early 90s. A pastor friend from Sydney took me up there um, where they were living. We had a few days like um, uh, R&R and met um, Brother Harry and his wife, Doreen. Now, they may be just names to you, which is fine, but um, I don't have time to give all the story. But in the 70s, the church that Bishop Westcott was pastoring was O'Connor Methodist Church in Canberra. And that church came into revival, authentic revival that was documented, known throughout Australia. They came over here as a result of that revival in the 70s. It was known around the world happened in O'Connor Methodist Church, Canberra in Australia. So we got to know him, like I said, in the early 90s. Now, he brought out some of the most prominent ministries globally at that time to Australia, hosted big conventions, huge conventions. T.L. Osborne came out, um, Bishop Bensonita Hosa from um, from Africa, if, if you know some of these people, but he brought out ministries, I think Oral Roberts. At the time, he was like, if I can use this term, which I hate, but at the time, he was like a big name, a big name, Bishop Harry Westcott. He wasn't a bishop at that stage, but Pastor Harry Westcott. Anyway, he was invited to join the International um, uh, Charismatic Conference of Bishops or whatever it was. He was invited by Benson Hidahosa to come and be part of that. So we got to know him. Now, he got shafted, shafted real bad by the body of Christ. Okay, so he went out broken, broken. I'm just telling you the story. I don't mind details. He went out back home to his hometown, which is uh, was, was a place called Alec Town in northern New South Wales. He went back out there. And he thought he was done. He thought he was, he was broken. He thought God was finished with him. So he went out there. The nearest shop to them now is like 30 kilometers away. And out in the bush, they, the, the family gave him 90 acres in the original homestead, the family farm homestead where he was actually born. So he was able to get that and retired and disappeared and he thought he was done. But he was working on the septic tank one day and God came to him. And out in the middle of nowhere, look, look, trust me, seven kilometers up a metal road off a highway between a place called Parks and Dubbo, seven k's up a metal road, 30 k's from the nearest town, he built an auditorium that seats more than 1,000 people. There's all kinds of accommodation out there. Um, there's a youth facility out there. I think they can sleep in buildings, something like 50 people. And people would come with motorhomes and campers and that type of thing and camp there for an annual camp meeting. Amazing. He had Bishop Idahosa out in that complex in the bush, filled the place, filled it every year like an annual camp meeting. So as I said, we got to know him in the 90s and blah, 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 and they did a whole bunch of camp meetings, but his years are starting to add up and his health is starting to fail a little bit. And um, we had them over here and, um, yeah, we just got connected in the Lord. Anyway, the years are adding up and so he, they finally had to close everything down. Family was saying, Mum and Dad, you're too old. The board at the time was saying, you can't continue. So they had to close everything down and they moved into a retirement uh, a village complex thing in parks, like 30 kilometres away from the farm. So it's all still sitting there. Anyways, there is so much dishonour in the body of Christ. breaks my heart. 
we kept in touch with him in the retirement village and I found out, I found out he gave his family instructions. Now you think this man is known around the world. He gave his family instructions. He said, when I die, there's two people I want you to bring into my funeral. You book their airfare, you'll pay their airfare, you pay their accommodation and bless them with an offering when they leave. I found this out. And I found out that I was one of those two people. So what are you going to do? Wait till he dies? So talking with my wife, she said, you need to get yourself over there while he's alive. So in April, I said to Pastor Barry, who ministered here, and our other pastor from the Auckland Church, Pastor Mike, was seated mostly over here with his wife, Melissa. I said to them, I'm going on an assignment overseas. I'm not telling you what it is. You need to hear from heaven whether you're coming with me or not. You tell me if you're coming. But I'm not telling you where I'm going or what I'm going to do. So them and their wives prayed about it and they signed on. Said, we're with you, Pastor Tom. So we flew over there um, end of March. I think it was from memory. End of March we flew over there and we spent the week with them. And I left New Zealand with a scripture. The Lord spoke to me with a scripture and it was Jacob when he found out that Joseph was still alive. Remember the brothers going down to Egypt to get the grain and all that sort of stuff, that story? They finally came back and said, your son Joseph, he's alive. And the Bible says that Jacob's heart stopped within him. But when he found out that Joseph was really, 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 really was alive, his spirit revived and we left Auckland and I said to Mike and Barry I said we're going to revive the spirit of a general since we've left he's been that busy he can hardly keep up I got an email from him on on my laptop Colin he said I had four and a half years of silence from people and from heaven and now everything's just waking up. I had to tell you that to tell you this story. Now, this is this is funny, the funny part of the story. So let me just say this: um, I'm, I've, you know, I'm back on a farm, family farm, which was my original, what I was doing originally because we're giving our son, who's a military veteran, an opportunity to move forward. The whole arty thing I struggle with. I was with Cole Stringer a few years back on the Gold Coast, and I think we went downtown for some breakfast or something. He took me out on the beach at the Gold Coast, and this whole big area on the beach at the Gold Coast is all roped off the sign up there saying there's an art competition on and it's all to do with, you had to do your art with disused whiteware. It could be a fridge or a stove or a dryer, washing machine, dishwasher, who could arrange the disused whiteware would win the prize. So I'm looking at this stuff and a truck had just come in the day before and dumped a truckload of whiteware there. Right, so it's an artist competition, and I subsequently found out that the one that won, the artist, quote unquote, didn't get back to the truckload, and the dumped truckload from the truck won the art competition and won the prize. I I can't sort of get on that wavelength as to, so I'm not I'm not out there, okay. So anyway, we're over with Bishop Harry. We call her Lady Doreen. And I said, oh, this particular day, I said oh, to Mike and Barry, let's just get out of town for the day and we'll go to the next town, which is a place called Forbes. So Forbes is where Doreen used to live. Forbes is where Harry courted her. So that's where her town, that's where she lives. He said, oh, I'm coming too. But we've got to have, we've got to have, we've got to have a cup of tea at Isabel's. Isabel's is a calf. 
right? John come in too. And he mentioned that we're going to have a cup of tea at Isabel's. So the four of us blokes, he said, I'll show you where I used to court Doreen. So we jump in the car the next day and we go out to Forbes and um, have a bit of a look around. He showed us how high the flood water had been and all that sort of stuff. Where he's a tree he sat under with Doreen when he was a young man. And he said, we're going to go to Isabel's. We're going to go to Isabel's. So Isabel's is a rural calf. Country rural calf. And so we'd kind of like, you know, half an hour before lunch, lunchtime, we'd go into this calf and we're sitting around and Harry's having his cup of tea and toast and stuff. And Barry and Mike now are trying to help him understand his smartphone. Okay, and they're giving him lessons about his smartphone. So I'm just sitting there and um, I'm looking around, and so the, the door for the calf is just here, right, just here, and you come in, and here's the calf down here where you people are, and being on the street, you know, you've got a bit of a nib wall, a low wall, and then windows you can see out on the street, but just around this corner, here's the door, you just come around the corner, and the wall's a bit high, you can't see on the street, and I notice somebody's been painting on the windows. And it's a, it's a rainbow. Okay, so I immediately think, the rainbow people. For me, a rainbow might, you know, and you, it's covenant. But rainbow has a different meaning today. So here's this rainbow out there on the, on the, on the, I see it on the glass here. And um, somebody's painting out there. And it wasn't a very good rainbow. I thought maybe it'd be kids. So anyway, so they're doing this cell phone thing, which bores me to tears. So I got up and I walked out the door here and come round the corner here and here's this lady. She's got to be late 40s, maybe early 50s, and she's painting on the wall, the artist. right? So she's painting on the wall. Now she sees me and she lights up like, you know, like a Christmas tree. She sees me and she lights up. Like, you know, somebody's admiring my painting type look on her face. And she tries to engage me in a conversation to which I didn't engage in. And I just turned around and walked back and came back in the calf. Okay. So now Barry and Barry and past Brother Harry are, you know, getting this phone sorted out. So Mike and I, we're, we're kind of looking at this some historic pictures on the walls of the calf. And I'm telling you just how it was, spirit of mischief, not the Holy Ghost, spirit of mischief on me, in me. So I say to Mike, and I'll tell you, this is exactly what I said. I said, Mike, I said, if you want to develop your character, I said, go out the door and just turn to the right. There's a woman out there. Mike's like, what's she doing? I said, she's painting. So that's what I said. Now, telling Mike that is like, you know, he doesn't need no encouragement, that boy. You know what I mean? He's going to go out there and have a look. But I said to him, if you want to develop your character, go out there and have a look. So he does. He goes out around the corner to this woman, and I'm waiting and waiting, and he didn't come back. It took me about three seconds to, you know, not engage with her and turn around and come back in. But Mike didn't come back. I mean, we talk about minutes. So I'm standing here with my back to the door and Barry and Bishop Harry finish the cell phone thing and they get up and Barry says to me, oh, where's, where's Mike? And I said, oh, he went out there to talk to a woman. He hadn't come back. So anyway, I've got my back to the door now and then Barry says, oh, here comes Mike now and he's bringing a woman with him. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, Mike. Mike, what are you dragging her in here for? This is what I'm thinking, right? So anyway, she comes in with Mike, and I don't know what's happened out there. I've got no knowledge at all of what's happened out there, see? So he brings her in, and then he said, he said, to, said to us, and we're standing in like a five of us now in a bit of a circle in the, in the aisle, you know, in the aisle of the calf. And he says, oh, Bishop Harry said, this lady has been longing to meet you. And I'm thinking, wow. And he says, um, she's heard about you, but never met you. 
And so Harry does the, the courteous introduction thing. And then Mike says, she has a word from the Lord for you. Well, did that ever get my attention, bless God? My goodness. She says, she's got a word from the Lord for you. And so, so Mike then says, she told me she wanted me to come in and give you the word. But I said, no, you've got the word. This is God. You come in and tell him. And I'll introduce you since you've been longing to meet him. So she comes in and meets him and stuff and then says the word. She said, she said Bishop Harry, she said, you're not finished. You have to start again. You are not finished. Your course is not run. It's not over. You have to start again. She's never met him before. We're total strangers, right? We're standing in the middle of the calf there. Now, what happened outside, we since found out, was Mike went out there to see her because I said, go and develop your character. So he goes out there to see her, right? And she says, oh, um, starts engaging him in conversation. And Mike says, oh, I've got a couple of children that are good artists, which he does have. They're real good artists. And they engage in conversation. And so she says, what are you doing here? Or where are you from? And he says, I'm from New Zealand. And what are you doing here? Well, he said, we're visiting a long-time friend. Well, who's your friend, she said. And Mike says, oh, it's Bishop Harry Westcott. So she lights up like you wouldn't believe, like a welding torch. She lights up and it's like, wow, I've been whoa, so waiting to meet him. And then starts telling Mike, I've got a word from the Lord for him. And so, so that's when Mike says, well, come in, you, you tell him. I found out all this afterwards. So she tells him that. And then she turns to us and she said, are you three his generals? meaning me and Mike, and, are you three his generals? So I corrected her. I said, no, no. I said, we're not his generals. I said, he is our general. Oh. And then the anointing got on her. We're standing in the calf, right, in the corridor of the calf, and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. People in having lunch. And here's this crazy bunch of people. Whoa, whoa. The anointing, the anointing. So here's the thing. We've talked about it a lot since we got home and we're all still trying to come to grips with it, including Bishop Harry. But when that was happening, when she was there and the five of us were standing there, we were totally unaware of where we were. Totally unaware that we're in a public place, people all around us having lunch, and we're having this, well, like we're encapsulated with this thing and none of us are aware that anybody else is there but us, or where we are in a public calf, we're totally encapsulated with this thing. It's an amazing experience, right? Am I doing okay so far? Yeah, amazing experience. Totally encapsulated with this thing. Totally unaware that people might be, you know, amazing. So anyway, she finally finished the the Holy Ghost stuff and everything. And so she went, and she, she had, I should have said, you know, she had like um, paint powder all over her. I think it might even, her hair looked like a rainbow as well. And so, you know, so you can see what, what I'm thinking. Okay, but anyway, so we, we, we go out the door and head up to the car. She goes back to the painting wall. And I said to Mike, I said, oh, we better drive by turn around and drive by when we leave to see if she's still there. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, you can entertain angels unaware, can't you? Maybe she's, maybe she's an angel. Maybe she's not there anymore. And then we start talking about, well, you know, this is like a John the Baptist. She probably had locusts for lunch. You know what I mean? It was an amazing experience. And so we go around the corner and I'm, Mike and Barry got in the car because Mike had the the um, he had the the to drive. You got to have a um, you know with the rental car thing, so he had the permission to drive. So I'm a, I've got the front door open and I've just put Harry in the passenger seat, standing on a curb, putting him, and and she can run around the corner. It stands on the corner like like seventy meters. I mean, you tell him that he's not finished yet. You tell him. And he will get in the car and go home. 
And we sit there and tell Doreen about the whole thing. Amazing. We're still trying to process the whole thing. So anyway, I, I get home and I'm telling Elaine about this. Okay? And, um, you know, yes, yes, I'm feeling chastised by the Holy Spirit. Yes, I am. So she joins in on the chastisement part. Colin, she says, you know, you're so insensitive. God sent you out there first, but you didn't hear what God wanted to do. He had to send, you had to send Mike out there. Because at least you'd hear from heaven. And I told her about the generals thing, and I said how I corrected her, and she said, Colin, she said, are you thick or what? No. Every king has generals. And the story that you hear, Harry's the king, you guys are the generals. You know, what really caught my attention was she spoke our language. Are you his generals? Because a lot of people don't use that term in the body of Christ, right? The veterans, we don't call them generals. And a lot of the body of Christ, when you get over a certain age, you've passed your use-by date. I know of two churches where they asked everybody over 40 to leave. I lie not. Everybody over the age of 40 was asked to leave because your face is past its use-by date. Not in my world it hasn't. So she spoke our language, are you as generals? So between the Holy Ghost and um, my wife, I'm on a learning curve. Listen to me. Just like I did, you can discount the messenger. And you miss the message. Good morning. Can't you? I plead guilty. I dismissed her because of the rainbows and the paint all over her and I'm not that sort of a person. But God wanted to come through and do something for us. It was very powerful. And we're still trying to process it. Are you here? Let me just show you a couple of scriptures so I can get some mileage out of this. Go with me, if you would, to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So that was an amazing experience, and Bishop Harry's still talking about it today. I talk with him regularly, and um, he's still talking about this woman. He didn't have a clue who she was. Obviously, we're from New Zealand. We don't have any idea. We'd never, none of us had ever met. And this happened. It's funny how Bishop Harry was saying we've got to go to we've got to go to this this particular calf. We've got to go to Isabella's. We've got to go to Isabella's. We've got to go in there and have a cup of tea. We've got to go there. I'm coming with you. I want to come with you. I want to show you round four. I'm coming with you. Persisting to get us into that calf, not knowing what was around the corner, painting on the wall. It says here in Second Corinthians chapter four, it says that we have this treasure. Verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now I used the scripture in my session on Thursday morning. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. But listen to me. If we dismiss or discredit or discount the vessel, We'll miss the treasure. Is that right? Yeah. I didn't do well in that story. All I did was get Mike out on the street, but it wasn't with my noble intentions. But you see, if we... And I've been in this long enough to know that there there are many, many, many in the body of Christ, in the church, 
New Zealand, globally, it's just the same. There are many prejudices, prejudices in the church toward the vessels. Yeah, I'm not telling stories anymore. People, how long were you senior pastor here before you transitioned to these two? Yeah, but after Don left? 13 and a half years. Now many in the body of Christ would not attend this church because the vessel had a female body and wore a skirt. The New Testament will tell you of a lady apostle. Yes, the New Testament church in the book of Acts had a lady apostle. For 1,100 years, the church fathers all agreed that this woman was an apostle. 1,100 years, 11 centuries. After that, one of the popes decided that they needed to stand down this whole woman thing and they changed her name to a man's name. 1,100 years it was never questioned that the New Testament church had a lady apostle. But we've got people who will not come and listen to a vessel that wears a dress or has a female body. Prejudices. That's the vessel, not the treasure. We okay? We had a lady come to our church in Whangarei many years ago, a, um, a, um, a Maori lady. She had a bunch of kids and stuff. And um, anyway, she ended up coming back and ended up becoming part of the life of our church. Horrible, horrific background. She told me of the time she'd been sexually abused. I said, when did this start? She said, as far back as I can remember. As far back as my memory will take. How come you came to Rome? And she said, Colin, because something in here. Call me pastor, not Colin, pastor, something in here. She said, when I first came here, my family told me, keep away from Rome. They got a skinny white guy there. And they told her, stay with the brown skins. You can't receive from me because the vessel has the wrong skin color. Look, my vessel cannot help you, but I just may carry something in my treasure that can break the yoke off your shoulder and set you free. I just may carry something in this treasure that can shift something in your life. But you can't receive from me because the vessel has the wrong skin color. See, the body of Christ is full of prejudices when it comes to the vessel. Are you here? And I stand before you telling that story on myself, guilty. Guilty. God came through for us. And all of us, I was talking to these two here, and Barry said to me, I'm still trying to process that, what happened to us there with that woman. So we've got all these prejudices. We have this treasure, the English word thesaurus comes from that, which is a treasury of words. Spiritual treasure. Okay, what's that? Well, what has God put in my life? What has God called me to? What anointing do I carry? That's part of the treasure. You hear? But because of the vessel, that's the Greek word ostrakinos, which is an everyday Greek word for cheap, easily fractured pottery. doesn't matter if you break it, it's easy to replace. You would never find that kind of pottery in wealthy people's homes. Common, cheap, everyday pottery. We have this treasure, thesaurus, and earthen vessels, ostrakinos, cheap, easily fractured pottery. And yet we magnify the cheap pottery brand. We magnify the, 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 the vessel. And because we're prejudiced against the vessel, 
we can't access the treasure. I'm doing all right now, hallelujah. Are you with me? What a tragedy. You're in chapter 4. We have this treasure in earth and vessels. Just go down to chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one. Everybody say no one. We regard no one according to the flesh. That's the vessel. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. We know no one according to the flesh. That's the vessel. You with me? According to the flesh. That's my vessel. That's my vessel that you're looking at. But what you've got to figure out is what do I carry? What's in my treasure? What has God deposited in my life? Are we all right? Is this helping anybody? The body of Christ is full of prejudices. You're the wrong sex. I don't listen to lady preachers. Well, you're the wrong skin color. Stay with the brown skins. I'm down ministering in the East Coast. And they told me down there, I was talking about, a, a, they said, we don't like Napuis down here. I'm not at the rugby club, Brownie. I'm in church. They told me in church, don't send any Napuis down here. But we don't know anybody according to the flesh. Well, doesn't your Bible say that? Now, I want to... How am I going? What are you doing? I'll, I'll just do a, a, one more scripture. Okay. Go with me to Mark 6, and I want you to see something here that really is quite staggering. Mark chapter 6. So, if you have a Bible, turn there, okay? So, Mark chapter 6, uh, verse 1. So, look at this, because th this, this is a graphic contrast I'm about to give you. Very graphic contrast, and the contrast will speak for itself. So, Mark chapter 6, the writer is Mark, obviously. The preacher is Jesus. Mark 6 verse 1, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and the disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now the synagogue's in his own country. Home area. Home area. So he's in his home area. So he began to teach in his synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joses, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said, verse 7, oh, what is it, 4-4, four, four, whatever, but Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his, among his own relatives and in his own house. Five. Read five. And he, Jesus, could do. Not that he wouldn't do, but he couldn't do. He, Jesus, couldn't do any mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He marveled because of their unbelief. Amplified in verse 5 says he was not able to do even one work of power there. No mighty work there. Amplified, he was not able to do any, even one work of power. Now, did these people recognize him? Yes. We know who you are, bro. You're brought up in such and such a street. Your dad was a carpenter. We know you. 
Actually, one of my relatives is married to one of the sisters. We've seen him about town. We know who he is. We know the family. Are you with me? They know him after the flesh, the vessel, after the flesh. And if you want to put forward a nomination to me for the worst meeting that Jesus held, I'd suggest you nominate this one. The worst of the worst meetings. Because they knew him after the flesh and they were judging the vessel. You hear? Now, same writer, Mark, same chapter, 6, same preacher, Jesus. Go to the end of the chapter. Same chapter, same writer, same preacher. Go to the end of the chapter. Come in at 53. When they, Jesus and the team, had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick or wherever to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, that's a big area, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. Same gospel writer, same chapter, same preacher. Another church service. So at the start of the chapter, we've got a nomination for the worst of the meetings that Jesus held. And at the end of the same chapter, now we've got a nomination for the best of the meetings that Jesus held. Well, let's just chance, Pastor Colin. Those folks prayed more than the other but Slap yourself. Just do this again. So 53, follow there. Have we got it up on the board? Can we put it? Put it oh, no, they've gone. They've evacuated. They've left. Okay, so that's all right. 53. See, they crossed over. They came to the land of Gennesaret, anchored there. When the they came out of the boat, Immediately the people recognized him. Well, hang on a minute. They recognized him at the start of the chapter too. Didn't they? We know who you are. They recognized him at the start of the chapter. The start of the chapter, they recognized him after the flesh. They recognized the vessel. These guys here recognize the treasure. In chapter 5 of Mark, you, the, the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, had that issue of blood. She's the lady that said, if I can just, ever an opportunity comes my way, if I have an opportunity, if he ever comes my way, I tell you what, legally they can stone me, but I tell you what, never mind about that, I'm going to press through the crowd. And if I can touch the hem of his garment. And we magnify that one lady and we preach on that one lady and so we should. But here, we've got a whole bunch of people that did exactly the same thing and they get no mention. Read it. Begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well. Wow. Wow. You hear? Isn't that graphic? Same gospel writer, same recorder of gospel history, same chapter, and the same preacher. Jesus might have been lucky to be six weeks older at that point, maybe a month older between meetings. But what a graphic this difference. See? So there's a lot of prejudices isn't there, toward the vessel. And because of those prejudices, 
we throw up a wall, come on somebody, we throw up a wall between us and the treasure. Don't we? In church, I plead guilty. That's exactly what I did with that woman in Paris. But because God is merciful, we still got the job done, and I've learned a big lesson. What matters is not the vessel, but you can hear from heaven. Isn't it? What do you do if the vessel's a donkey? God couldn't get through to the backslidden prophet. But when a donkey spoke, God got through. You better not dismiss the vessel. Pastor Patsy told us about Pastor Patsy told us one of the night meetings about the rooster that cr- that stood in the doorway, and the rooster spoke with a human voice. Boy, how would you handle that vessel? Think about it. So is this all right? We had a good morning. Yeah. So. Many different vessels, but don't don't discount them because it's a woman, because the person's up in years, because it's a child, the vessel's a child vessel, the vessel's this, the vessel's that. Well, I only receive from, you know, I only receive from uh, right colored skin vessels. Well, I only receive from men. Uh, I only receive from young preachers. The old fellas have had their time, they're over the hill. Snap out. God can try to get through to you through the most unusual operations and unusual things. But in our fleshliness, we push it back. We push it away because it's the wrong vessel. Are we here this morning? Don't do that. Learn from my my foolishness. But I learnt my lesson. I, I I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm not going to leave the church or get upset or anything. You can tell a story to other people. Make fun of me if you like. That's fine. It's fine. I can have a tantrum about it. But learn the lesson from. It. Don't discount the vessel. So often somebody gets up to minister and we kind of weigh them up according to the flesh. And now we're building a wall between you and the treasure. You're throwing up a wall between you and the treasure. Amen. Stand up with me if you would.